1: Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters.
2: Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, a show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. We work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to assure a more successful future. With me today as our guest panelist is my good friend, Andre Howard, Andre and I are proud to have two very special guests, Anais Biera-Miracle, the Vice President of External Affairs of the Children's Shelter in San Antonio, Texas, and Ron Kluwer, CEO of the Rockford Housing Authority in Rockford, Illinois. Anais, would you please introduce yourself?
3: Hi. Good afternoon, everyone, and salutations from good old Texas. My name is Ana East Vieta miracle and I'm the Vice President of External Affairs for the Children's Shelter, and in my role, I handle the public relations community. Uh, aspect of all of our family of services for the children's shelter, and then also the legislative affairs related to child welfare public policy, both from the federal and the state side. So, as you can see in the state of Texas, we have a really big legislative session ahead of us, and, and good to be with you all.
4: Good. Excellent. And, Ron, would you please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm the uh, CEO of the Rockford Housing Authority and director of our not-for-profit agency called Bridge Rockford Alliance. Uh, we focus on using affordable housing as a platform for opportunity with integrated human services. It's a, a new platform for our agency. RHA is about 65 years old and Bridge Rockford's about three years old. But, uh, much like an ace, I, um, I also focus on the community relations side of our business, the growth of our business. And then also on the legislative affairs, um, as can imagine in the state of Illinois, we have a few occasional issues around human service legislation and budget, and uh, we've been busy lately.
2: Outstanding. Well, it's just a joy to have you both with us. Anais and uh, Ron, you have both been participating in the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities e-course on change leadership. Specifically, you've been studying the section of the four-part course on the cognitive capacities of change leadership. Could each of you please describe your current job and share how you have been called within the scope of your job to practice change leadership? Anais, why don't you go first?
3: Sure. So, you know, based upon the position in in external affairs, it encompasses public relations. And when we're doing so, um, being tasked with – providing strategic communication both from the um, external side and then the legislative affairs. So, building those relationships that are beneficial for both the community and the organization. Now, we at the Children's Shelter provide care, a continuum of care for children who have been and families impacted by maltreatment. Um, and by doing so, we were selected by the Alliance um, to participate in a residential transformation project over the next, next three years, which Tom has been able to coach us through. That being said, we're changing how we do our internal communications. And we know that the best platform to do that with is through strategic communications with our staff. And that is going to be very, very different because a lot of our internal communication has been championed by human resources. And so being able to have that change in dynamic of how we communicate with our staff, especially as we go through this residential transformation project, is going to be a transformation in and of itself. Um, and so being able to go through the co- change leadership, the cognitive capacity, it's really helping from the communication standpoint of how to strategically and effectively communicate with our staff. Um, And I can go into much more detail of how we can do that, but I I will share with you it's going to be a very different way of how we do business and how we communicate um, the effectiveness of our current programs and how we go in the future of child welfare.
4: Very good. Thank you. Ron? On our side, um, really looking at, at what the course had to offer and really thinking about the cognitive capacity of our agency, I know that we have the intellectual ability in this agency to go from a public housing agency that years ago, and no offense to anyone on our team from back in the day, was little more than a warehouse um, for folks in poverty. Very little services provided to our folks and very little focus on enhancing the quality of their lives. Moving to the platform of Bridge Rockford Alliance to bring those human services into the housing platform and now go from, you know, a check sheet agency and a methodical government agency filled with bureaucracy to having some emotional intelligence and capacity. To, to bond with and build relationships with our residents to better help them achieve a greater quality of life is incredibly important. So that transition is incredibly important that our residents understand what we're, what we're attempting to do, but more importantly, our staff had to buy into it first. So sure. looking forward in the in the creation of and, and adoption of a unified vision, we had done that, and we had actually been moving along quite well. The internal communications, as An said, is incredibly important. The external um, we hadn 't truly measured or found a way to address the impact on the external side, and what we were trying to do by going through this course is build the capacity. For us to work closer with our community so they understood the transition and we were, you know, we were no longer being viewed of the lens that we were the housing of last resort. Rather, we were an innovative agency that had incredible solutions to help residents achieve better quality of life.
2: Well, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I wonder if each of you would take just a few moments to describe the change leadership challenges. Your respective organizations are currently addressing Anaïs. Why don't you go first?
3: Sure. So you know, in, in the fourth sector and health and human services, it's no longer about the warm and fuzzies of how we, as an organization, are creating impact. But it's more in terms of how are we communicating our effectiveness based on multiple drivers, both from the economic standpoint, both from the social. You know, safety net, um, and for us as an organization, we're learning how to reframe how we communicate, because a lot of times it's more of okay, we're we're providing care for children who are being removed by child protective services and placed in our care, but it's more than that. It's not, you know, and I italicized just that. It's being able to provide a full continuum of care, and I think our challenges are. From, multi-dimensional, from our staff understanding that it's not just children, but it's families. Being able Beautiful. to understand that, you know, working with legislators to understand it's not just children, but families. And, you know, being able to understand that there is integration, collaboration, that is, you know, the, again, going back to Ron's perspective, is that buy in of, of staff of line leadership to to be able to say, you know, how can we better work with children and families from the onset when they first step in our doors? And that's a culture shift for our organization, and that's probably one of the biggest challenges we have. And then also staffing, um, being able to have the empathy – and the compassion to be able to do this work day in and day out um, and being able to have an understanding from direct care staff of the challenges they face when working with children who have higher acuity needs. Um, I, I think that's one of our challenges, and then that's going to be you know, compounded into being able to address our internal communications.
4: Excellent. Very, very good. Ron? Ron? You know, I am probably going to sound like a reflection of what you just heard, but I I think anybody going through this transformation of human services and being able to tell the story—I think many agencies, whether you know, public housing or or traditional human serving agencies, were so used to doing the work and not having to justify the need to now having to justify the need and educate the community on, on what it is we do, and that's not just the taxpayer but the elected. So I think some of our challenges were transitioning from a an agency that collected a lot of information to turning it into a data pipeline that was able to report out results and outcomes that, that were meaningful, but not going so far with the pendulum that you lost track of the the stories because as Ani said, the compassionate piece, you, you have to be able to back up your work with data, but you have to be able to connect to the heartstrings of people who truly understand then that work. Our struggle was getting folks to understand it and you know where you just heard a focus on children, we had to take the community's focus off of poor families who perpetuated poverty. Because that was the belief that our community held. To talking about families that did indeed have struggle, where generational poverty wasn't as ingrained as they believed, but rather we had children and seniors who were affected adversely by living conditions, and we were assisting the families to address those both at a childhood level and a senior adult level. Uh, that was that's really where we've been focusing our efforts is to be able to communicate the data with the stories and build that compassion, not just amongst our staff, but amongst the community.
2: Wonderful. Thank you both for your answers. We have to take a short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858 244 8264. That's 858 244 8264.
4: If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking, whatever the product or service. Host Bill Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Does your organization lack proper leadership?
0: Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
1: You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard. Tom Wall and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to matters at innovations.org.
2: Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Andre Howard and our special guest Anais Vieira miracle and Ron Kluwer. Before the break, we were talking about change leadership, the efforts that both of them have been involved in, and what they've been working on within their organizations. Now, in this segment, I'd like to ask, what ideas have you thought about the most from the many ideas that you've been engaging in through the e-course that you've been taking? Which ideas seem to be the most relevant to your organization? Ron, why don't you go first?
4: Sure. Um, thank you. You know, we really looked at when we started this transformation of, of housing of last resort to being a, a provider of housing that serves as a platform for opportunity, we set out, did the traditional strategic plan. We did, however, just do it a little bit differently. We had um, already gone through a strategic planning process that was forced down on the agency. I stepped in as a new uh, CEO and we reopened it immediately. It, it, it really, you know, the ink had barely dried. But I did hear from the leadership team that there was an incredible amount of frustration over that. So we reopened it. We, um, we went through a, a few months of work on that plan until we had adoption from inside the agency to outside the agency. And it was focused on our clients' input as well. And ultimately, the plan didn't change a, a whole lot. Um, what i really took from the uh, from the the class is we were so focused on our five year plan and our five year goals we actually in our government world plan on an annual basis and so we we've, we've tied our plans um to to align with that annual government submission but looking at this in a more realistic fashion and and taking our five year plan it's coming up for review we're now going to look at it in a three-year window with one-year chunks, where pieces of it are going to be, um, are going to be mobile, if you will, and changeable. So not so that we lose direction and focus. We still have the vision. We still know where we're going, and we have the buy-in. But the market changes, and, and fixing your plan for five years isn't realistic anymore. So the you know the conversation you and I had, Tom back when we did our our session as part of the coursework, was really insightful. And and I thought we really do need to look at this as we gear up and go into the shorter window with more flexibility but still heavy focus on on the vision.
2: Excellent. Very, very good. Anais.
3: Sure. I think creative thinking. I know that um, when we as providers, as organizations who are in this fourth sector, um, that we have to use creative thinking, especially when we're competing with dollars. And I say that because I came to, and and Tom really brought up a good point of on an You have to ask the what if questions, ask what if, what if, what if. And it's like asking why. And so it really spurs the, the 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 factor of innovation. I think that there's a lot of buy-in when you look at, like, for example, San Antonio is the fifth largest city in the U.S. We have a growing tech industry, technology infrastructure, you know, and, and people want to invest in that. And it's like, why can we not be up there with the same – investment strategies and, and you know appetite to invest in, in, a, in an infrastructure. We have to because we have to be able to invest in human infrastructure. And for us to be able to take that and say we need to be able to use our creative thinking to say we just not only do family strengthening, we're preserving the family. But what if we were to rebrand or reframe how we do family strengthening or family-based services to having a family innovation center where we're having learning labs, to connect parent educators and coaches with families, to provide them with the support that they need to graduate from one level to the next with their children. And I think being able to have that safe space, to have a creative thinking, to be able to ask the questions of what if, I think it breeds innovation. And I think that that's where I got most, I got a lot out of the course, but I think the creative thinking that we need to be just on par with every other sector and be able to just be as competitive um, as any other sector.
2: Excellent. Thank you so much. One of the ideas contained within the change leadership course is the movement away from traditional leadership teams and the movement toward cross-functional change leadership teams. The basic idea is that traditional leadership teams are designed to promote and maintain the status quo, whereas change leadership teams are designed to reconsider and then change the status quo. What are your thoughts on this, Ron?
4: You know, I, I we actually combined our leadership team into a cross-sector team where Um, we discuss all internal changes at that level. And before a department can institute proposed changes, it has to go before the leadership team. So we could play devil's advocate. We can refine. um, You know, we we use after-action reviews as an example. And and so even with implementation, Mm -hmm. we come back and look at it. So we're always in this um, process of constant improvement But through that, you know, when we talked about it in the course, um, we were doing it. And and I just had to support the value of that because it forces the innovation that Anise just spoke about. We, as an example, um, we have incredible capacity when it comes to real estate development. And we were not – really, we did not have the capacity on the human services side so we leveraged our ability to create higher quality real estate that could produce a better cash flow so we could hire a director of human services to redesign the human service side of our business. And now it's led to crazy things like we're in the process of, of working to um, launch a, a design and sale lease back possibly of uh, industrial laundry for our three hospitals So we would own the piece of real estate, they would be our tenant, and the cash flow from that would you know, would help us with our neighborhood restoration and provide jobs for our residents and ultimately improve our communities. So we're using the capacity amongst that team to improve the conditions for the other members of that team where they where they have shortfalls. So that can fund in this case our human Mm -hmm. services shortfalls where either the state or the federal side is, is falling down and unable to pay um, what's necessary, let's say.
2: Boy, that's wonderful, Ron. Thank you. Anais.
3: You know, when we look at the change layer, I think that this is the future of organizational development. I think it's the the, the makeup of how we, we are hearing more of a decentralized um, leadership. Um, and, and I think when we're looking at organizations like the Children's Shelter, we engage the voices of our direct care staff. We're becoming much more intentional to be able to engage the voices of our foster care families, being able to engage the voices of our direct care staff, our residential counselors who provide the direct care for our children, our parent educators who are working with vulnerable families, and then ourselves who are working from the administration standpoint and who can provide, you know, the environmental scanning of what's going on both from the federal and the state side, even our community at the hyper-local level. And so being able to, to do that, it it's the way of the future. It's here, it's now, and there's no way that we can go back to that. Um, I I think it really challenges us in a perspective that we have to change um, because if not, then we're going to be left behind, and the most vulnerable that are going to be left behind are our children and families impacted um, by maltreatment, and we need to be able to ensure that uh, we provide a voice for them. And by doing so, it challenges ourselves to rethink creatively in terms of Are we doing what we possibly can, and can we push the margins much more? Can we be much more innovative, and can we be able to do that in a way that engages all voices?
2: Outstanding. Wonderful. Another idea from the course is that as we move from individual leadership to change leadership teams, what is expected of leaders changes.
4: What are your thoughts on that, Ron? You know, I, I think um, I look at growth—the the individual leaders' growth and their ability to expand capacity. You used to, I think, see that at a, at a much higher level in the agency, and you're seeing that now having to be the case across um, almost all levels of every agency, where where folks have to really understand this is a new. I mean, it's really a new world. There's access to so much data, so much information, um, so much that our community sees now that they hadn't seen before, that our clients see now that they haven't before. You have to be able to absorb all of that and turn it into something that means something for folks who are fearful about it. So, you know, working with somebody on the human services side, in our case, um, they come to us. They're housed. They were formerly homeless. We're helping them now become employable and and then ultimately employed, healthy, so that you know that they can keep um, employment. All these various pieces didn't used to be part of a human. I'm, I'm sorry, of a housing platform, but housing doesn't solve anything alone. Providing the human services we did under a different department didn't solve anything alone the integration of those and the various components of life to improve overall quality of life, that, that's just the way the world is nowadays. And so we all have to have that capacity to understand it's no longer just about us and our role or us and our agency and the single service we're delivering. It's an integrated service as a part of a much bigger system even outside of our agency. Outstanding.
2: Great insight. Great insight. Anna East, your thoughts?
3: I think it allows... For barriers to be broken. I think it allows for silos to come down. It provides the opportunity for thought leaders and leaders within emerging leaders within the organization to be able to be paired together and to be able to um, dialogue, be able to creatively think, um, be able to strategize from a short-term objective standpoint to long-term objectives. To be able to understand the challenges as our own individual selves, but also understand the challenges our um, staff, line staff, direct care staff, being able to understand the challenges um, that our our clients are facing, and how can we be much more going, to Ron's point, integrative, Collaborative, um, being able to provide the what we all say that there's calmness in, within our organization as being a trauma informed care organization, um, being able to adhere to the principles that we say we're going to do, but allows that opportunity to segue into breaking barriers, breaking silos, to be able to better suit the needs of our clients, and, and that's what I think that where we're going with as we go into this model.
2: Fantastic. Well. Great answers, all. We have to take another short break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at Innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness.
3: Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a
0: thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into the Soul Show Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday.
1: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you are listening to leadership matters with dr cheryl white linda shub gerald mcfadden andre howard tom wall and rihanna absar if you have a question or comment about today's program please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to matters at innovations.org.
2: Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me are Andre Howard and our special guests Ron Kluwer and Anais Biera-Miracle. In the last segment, we were discussing some of the specific ideas from the Alliance's Change Leadership eCourse. In this third segment, we always like to have our good friend Andre Howard lead the discussion about change leadership. Andre, it's all yours. Take it away. Thank
5: you, Tom. Uh, Enjoying this so very much. Um, So, um, everyone always talks about the importance of change. I mean, that was kind of our e-course and we, we talked about the cognitive piece being a very important part of that, that process. Um, the importance of change, the need to change. Um, but let's, let's flip the script a little bit. What happens if our sector doesn't change? I mean, you know, people always say things are um, evolutionary. We always come back to where we were um, at the beginning. Uh, so what would our world look like if our sector didn't change, if we didn't respond to Um, what was taking place in our environments and we just waited around until the clock came back around Um, I guess I'm I'm looking for what would be the argument not to change uh, if we were to flip this script so if I were to throw it out to you Ron first uh, what would be your argument not to change I mean why why change (laughs)
4: Um, well I'm probably not a good one to answer that question I, I look on the opposite side of it I can't help but think of a lot of other public housing agencies who chose not to change and are still arguing the change after all these years. They want to remain public housing agencies. They want to you know, not do anything different than what used to be. And you know, where they are now is you've got, you know, you've got uh, 1.1 million public housing units in the nation. We're losing 10,000 a year. So we're already down uh, almost half from where we were 30 years ago. Agencies continue to shrink. Um, Budgets continue to shrink. Your real estate continues to decay. And because budgets are shrinking, you're not getting federal funds to maintain those assets, assets, which has led to a $26 billion backlog in public housing repairs. That's not improvements. That's repairs. So... You know, don't change and you become antiquated and, and irrelevant. And I, I think, unfortunately, some of my colleagues are finding themselves in those positions. And I look at that and say, that's unacceptable. We we took an oath to house people in safe, decent, and sanitary places, and we're not doing that. So mm-hmm. there's all the motivation to change. Um, if you've taken that oath, you believe in it, because to me what that means is you agreed upon a vision, and we're yeah. failing in that vision if we choose not to change.
5: Mm. Wow, powerful. And Ace, yes. how would you respond?
3: Sure. Let's look at the state of Texas right now, right? Everything's bigger and better in Texas, as they say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and one of the things is that right now the state of Texas is, is facing a lawsuit, a lawsuit by the Children's Rights, Inc., Based out of New York, who, where, the federal judge out of Corpus Christi, Texas, on December 17, twenty fifteen, had ruled in favor of the the foster care youth who aged out of the system, and said the state of Texas violated their civil rights. They said that when you entered foster care system, you came out worse than off than you came in, and so. What, what's happening now is that we're getting an appeal. I mean, we are looking at the recommendations these special masters have put together in 13 pages to say the child protective services system needs to be repaired. It needs to be revamped. And, you know, we've been staving this off and staving this off for years upon decades in this compounded bureaucratic problems, and that implication is having direct impact on the frontline caseworkers with CPS. It's having direct implications on children who are being, you know, who are waiting to be seen, and, you know, it's impacting the providers who are providing foster care, and a lot of this, you know, being able to address the high acuity needs of children who are, you know, unfortunately need care in foster care and we don't have enough therapeutic foster care beds not being able to you know going going to the cognitive perspective of you know you need to be able to change before the urgency it's always been kind of this you know crisis after crisis after crisis and that's what we're facing right now because we have not been able to really take a strategic approach in terms of how can we plan effectively through the state. And so we're reaping that right now. And I think that that's what's happening. And so you you have to be, as from a provider perspective, you have to be able to understand what's happening on the federal side, the state side, and they have a direct trickle effect on us as providers and the clients that we work with. And so, I mean, for us to be able to do that, going back to Ron's point, is that we then become antiquated. Um, we, we can't be competitive for dollars. Um, and then we you know, if we don't use research or evidence to be able to back up the, and the work that we do, then how can we even be a provider or a thought leader in human services? And how can we best provide those practices that we need to help ensure that children can go back safely home. And, and I think that that's what you see right now in the state of Texas.
5: Yeah. Excellent. Very excellent point. I really enjoyed that response. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, you know, our world is also changing as we think about some of its demographics. I mean, as we talk about this thing called creating equity, um, equity across the spectrum, uh, racial, uh, sexual orientation, uh, persons with disability, um, gender, uh, all of this. And so, you know, certainly understanding that for the Alliance, one of our major tenets as we move forward is really advancing the equity equation that, you know, you really can't support children, families, and communities without having uh, the equity equation within the organization uh, being created. And that can certainly look different um, at the organizational level, the programmatic level, and, of course, personal journeys that we all take as leaders within the organization. So i love to, to hear your insights in terms of how do we continue to, to advance this uh, Uh, equity equation? What kinds of things, perhaps, have you done uh, within your own organization uh, to advance the equity equation? Um, And, I mean, at the end of the day, is it even possible to achieve this thing called equity? I mean, our world is challenged, particularly our nation is challenged on so so many fronts um, around achieving equity. So uh, I guess at the end of the day, is it even possible to achieve this equity equation and balance uh, within our own organizations, uh, Anais, how would you respond to that?
3: Well, I was going to say, Andre, let me have some time to process. That. <laughs> <You> <laughs> okay. um, but it, that's a very, that's a very, very loaded question. And okay, okay. so from from a perspective of let's just take policy, for yeah. Um Can it be achieved? Absolutely. Are we as a provider? trying to strive toward equality? Absolutely. Equality to ensure that children who are harder to place because of their emotional disorders, um, being able to find the right family for them so they can have less placement disruptions being able to ensure that we are giving equal representation within our foster care families to ensure that they have an, an advocacy voice, um, to be able to ensure that we work with both sides of the aisles in, in the legislative perspective to say, you know, children and families are your constituents. Um, being able to ensure that you know we are humans, we are citizens, and and being able to understand that there are. We, there was a representative um, out of Austin, her name is Donna Howard, and we were at a healthcare legislative town hall last week, and we had heard about, you know, there's a lot of cuts that are being had with the Medicaid rates in the state of Texas, and, you know, she had frankly said, you know, the 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 moderator has said, what do the legislators have against vulnerable children? Public education right. needs to be funded, and you know all of right. this, and you know she frankly said, you know, we actually go out and we budget, you know, uh, what did she say? She we we balance the state budget on the backs of kids, and, and that was just. I think everybody in the room just gas frayer. And it's true, because it's true to a certain degree, but we need to be able to understand that when we go out there and champion, we champion for all voices, for all children, right. um, because that is where the equity is to ensure that children who are disabled, Children yep. who are LGBTQ, um, yep. children and families who um, are vulnerable in the fact that they have very little to no support. Um, we need yep. to be able to understand uh, where they're yep. coming from and sure. and be able to understand that. Without that, then we have no equity, and to be able to have that compassion um, to to lend them that voice.
5: <clears throat> sure. You handled that pretty well, I think for a lower question. That's right. Excellent. I agree. Ryan, how about yourself? What's your perspective on that?
4: I was going to say I thought this was only an hour show, but um, we, uh, we, can, we can get to this. So I, I agree with me. We can achieve it certainly in policy. But I can't help but think of civil rights policy going back to the 60s and where we are today, and, and we have still not yet achieved equity. We finally in the housing world have come to Um, decisions, and and in part because of the state of Texas around affirmatively furthering fair housing and and a final Supreme Court Court ruling this last year. And and it um, took the language as far as to say that, you know, there has been policy that has been discriminatory over the years. And even if the intent was for it to not be, and it was implement, implemented as discriminatory, you may still be in violation. And so I think that the the policy world under the last administration certainly has pushed to see equity. Um, mm-hmm. Internally, as an agency, we've really looked at our demographics and, and certainly an equal opportunity agency from an employment standpoint and and really trying to achieve our goals of making sure that our staff reflects who we serve. And so you we're know, going well beyond that, though, to eliminating you know the the bias and all of the isms. So, you know, we we talk about racism and ageism and sexism and now politicalism. Um, right. Things yeah. that are impediments to truly getting down to ensuring that all people's voices are heard, as Annie said. I mean, you know, we we were an agency that last year sued our city council over a housing deal because we didn't believe that they were working in the best interests of our residents. You know, that's normally not done, but we have a firm belief that our residents spoke, their voices were heard, and we needed to step up into the advocacy role to ensure that the results they wanted were achieved, and thankfully they were. And I'm hopeful over time that it doesn't require that heavy hand of, You know, Jesus, let's just do what's right for the sake of you know, doing what's right, not because the law is gonna force you to do it when you should have done it the right way the first time.
2: Good answer, Ron. We have to take our last break. Stay with us, we'll be right back.
1: Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858 8264. That's 858 244 8264.
2: We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guests, Ron Kluwer and Anais Pietra milko In this last segment, we always ask our special guests to offer some advice to others in the field who might be exploring change leadership. Ron, let's start with you. What advice do you have about change leadership for other leaders in our field?
4: You know, it's really about the the openness to consider where we are versus where we need to be, and um, knowing that we all have to challenge ourselves to build that capacity to not only think but embrace change. I know it's you know, folks have spoken about change for a very long time, but we're at a point, I believe, in in our country and our our world where we absolutely must change what we've been doing. We've not made significant strides in in very important. Um, areas of, of human services and, and housing, and we can no longer accept that that's okay because people's lives are actually at stake when when we haven't figured it out yet. Mm-hmm. That's
2: right. Anais, what advice do you have about change leadership for other leaders in our field?
3: It's essential. It's critical. Um, I, I think when we go into understanding the elements of change leadership, it obviously challenges our own credo in terms of can we be the effective change leaders that our organization is asking us to be? Can we really be on that platform to usher in the change? Can we really be as fluid as water as my CEO says I am, you know, but but really challenging ourselves in terms of saying, well, you know, what, what, What can I do to understand what the needs of our community, going beyond environmental scanning, but listening to our clients, being able to understand their challenges, maybe their services we are not providing that maybe we need to provide, being able to be on par with the rest of these vertical, as you will, quote-unquote, vertical industries. I mean, I just recently graduated from a leadership program, and it's from a chamber of commerce. And it challenged my thought because I was part of the economic development team. Okay, I'm a public relations professional in human services. Economic development is what? You know, and and so it challenged my way of asking the what-if questions, solidified by Tom and Andre and and yourself. And so is wondering of... How can we be right on par with the growing economy, with the growing population of both children and families, and then being able to understand the needs of our own community? And it's essential because if not, then again, we, we become outdated and then we fizzle away and there is no purpose in what we're doing anymore.
2: Very good. Thank you. In this segment, we also like to ask each of our special guests to share something that they learned from a mistake that they may have made, uh, something that they may not have learned at all if they hadn't made that mistake. Ron, would you be kind enough to (laughs) share one of those with us?
4: Absolutely. Um, Well, you know, I've made a ton of mistakes, so I'm not sure which one to focus on. Um, i I think that's the first is admit that you make them and share with your team that you make them and what you learned from it. This is why we do after action reviews. Um, probably the most recent. Um, so my my world historically has been real estate development and it requires multiple levels of financing. And in you know in our our group of folks who do that work, it's often been said that putting these deals together is like putting a jigsaw puzzle together on a conveyor belt. And most recently, with uh, post-election changes, you know now we're joking that the belt got faster and the pieces got smaller, and so it, it's become more difficult. But I just inherently know those pieces, and my mistake was believing that everybody around the table knew those same pieces of work that needed to be done. And I had to step back and and really ask, you know, is everybody understanding where we are and what this latest change to equity pricing means? And to hear a couple members of our team say no, it actually shocked me. And and I think um, I realized I was so in the moment of the work that I failed to recognize um, the capacity of a couple members of our team. They weren't quite there yet. That's not a bad thing. That's that's where my mm-hmm. coaching and my leadership should come in. But I, I was just too deep in it. My mistake was not recognizing it. But um, I, I think we recouped just fine. We we put the pieces in place and and built up around the team. And that could have gone horribly wrong and divided our team.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. Thanks for sharing that, Ron. Um, Ais, oh. please.
3: Sure. I think it takes the opportunity, obviously, accountability, but also understanding that to get help when you need it. Um, my department is myself, uh, so having uh, being able to serve in public relations um, and legislative affairs for our organization that has you know multiple locations within our, our county seat um, and serves two hundred twenty-seven full-time employees. And serves more than 4,500 children and families every year can be somewhat, can be overwhelming. And so being able to to help, ask for help when I need it the most, you know, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a mistake, but being able to anticipate the worst, right? Being able to Mm -hmm. understand that there could be something that could occur. So... You know, working in public relations, more specifically in media relations, when you connect with a client who is willing to share their story, and they've signed a media release, and they've they've said, "I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm ready to give my story," and then lo and behold, you know, there's something that surfaces in their past that has come back. And it can actually serve as a safety, um, a breach of safety for themselves, their children, and then our our, um, our agency. And that's what occurred. And that's something that I think, from my perspective, is to be able to dig down deeper with our clients and with our program directors and our program staff to be able to say, okay, we are going to go on air. Nothing is ever off the record. Whatever is said can be used at any given time. Um, and being able to understand that. What can we anticipate when this happens, when they go on air? Is there something in their past that might surface negatively? Is there something that can happen um, that would be a safety breach for our clients, their children, and our staff. And so that's something that, <clears throat> from a public relations standpoint, is for me to be able to be much more mindful to ask those what-if questions. Okay, what if we do this? Will this happen? And be able to understand that it would, it would be in the best interest of our agency and our staff and our clients.
2: Fantastic. Great answers all. That's, unfortunately, all we have time for today. But our thanks to our guest panelist, Andre Howard, and to our special guests, Ron Kluwer and Anais Piera miracle Really, you did a great job today. We're very, very grateful. Please, folks, join us again next time for another edition of Leadership Matters.
1: Thank you again for tuning in.